0: Bottom has dropped out of those clouds. It is so good to see you guys. Uh, We're thankful that you're here. Next week, I want to give you a quick little preview. We're going to start a brand new series entitled The Comparison Game next week. Uh, It's been said that comparison is the thief of joy. It happens to all of us, even without us realizing. We're going to talk about how that happens. It might be happening right now and what to do about it over the next few weeks. I, I hope you will be here because this applies to you. If you've got teenagers, if you're a college student, it doesn't matter who you are. This creeps into every one of our lives and it steals our joy. So I hope that you'll make time. Come check that out starting next weekend. Now, this week, we're going to wrap up a series we've been in for a couple of weeks now entitled Reason for Faith. Reason for Faith. And we started the entire series with this statement. that the, One of the biggest challenges of being a Christian today is knowing what to say when you get challenged in terms of your faith. When somebody asks you a tough question or makes a comment off the cuff, maybe it's at a, a get-together, or maybe it's at a family gathering, you've got one of those family members that's just kind of ornery and likes to ask questions, they, they want you to know, they don't agree with your Christian faith, but they're, they're not really looking for a conversation as much as they just want to lob a grenade at you, right? They're just going to throw something at you and you're like, ah! I don't know what to say, you know. And later you get in the car and you think of something, but you got to wait a whole year now to say it to this uncle, you know, or aunt, whoever it was. And uh, But that's what the series is about. How do we respond? How do we start a conversation, not an argument, but really start a conversation about faith in a day when there is so many different ways that we get uh, confronted and attacked and questions that are asked of us. And So let me just say this, if you are not a Christian today, if you're coming, you got invited, we are so glad you're here because this series, I believe, has so much to say to you because some of the questions and issues that we're talking about have to be, they just have to be some of the issues that have become roadblocks for you. Like this is why I'm not a Christian. This is why I don't go to church or this is not why this is why I stopped going. This is why I quit so long ago because I could never find a good answer for. I didn't know anybody that could get me even moving in the right direction and it just you just stopped right there. And it stifled your spiritual progress and that's just where you've been for the last maybe months, years, decades. It is time to Possibly move forward. So that's really what the series is hopefully doing for. We've seen it actually do that for several people, and it's exciting to see people taking that next step. Hopefully, that will happen for you today. This is going to be one of those that, one of the toughest of the three to talk about. But before I dive into that, let me just say this that we got this whole conversation kicked off, this whole series kicked off by something that Peter, the Apostle of Jesus, said in the New Testament. In his first letter, 1 Peter, Chapter 3, verse 15, he gave this command to every Christian. If you call yourself a Christ follower, this is for you, this is for me, this is for all of us, and this is what he said. He said this, and if you would, read these highlighted words with me. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the, the reason a logical defense, is another way of defining that word, the reason for the hope that you have, that you have in what? That you have in your faith, your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have a logical defense for the hope that, that you believe that something good is going to come out of all of this? That he has a plan for all of this, right? You need to be able to explain that. And I love how he ends it. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that is such an important part to never, ever, ever forget. And every time Christians down through history have forgotten those last two words, we have wound up pushing culture and people further away from God, the very people we were called to reach out to, and that is something we work really hard here at Brazos Fellowship to try to help make sure we constantly are speaking into a culture, into a group of people with gentleness and respect, knowing that everybody needs an opportunity to have some grace and some space to process and ask questions. But I wanna just say this about this, this awesome challenge that Peter lays out here. That he's asking us to be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have, but do it with gentleness and respect. But I think it's important to take just a second and say what he's not saying here, that you're not necessarily responsible for, and that is this you need to be able to answer every tough question about the entire Christian worldview. That's not what he's commanding, or to be able to answer and explain every difficult and complicated passage from Genesis to revelation, especially revelation. whoa, right? You need to be able to explain to people how God created the whole earth and cosmos in six literal days. How did he do that how did How did Noah get all the all the animals on the ark all right how How did all of these things happen? Hey, explain to me the bad behavior of Christians down through history. Why do Christians act so much not like Jesus? Like he didn't say you had to, like, that's a hard thing to try to explain to people. But he says, no, here's what, here's the thing I want you to bring them back to over and over. Those are all secondary issue. Primary issue is why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Why have you chosen? What is the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus? You need to be able to tell people what that is, that Christ died for my sins, he rose from the dead. He died for my sins, he rose from the dead. Now, we all have a different story about how that became a reality for us. That's how we became a Christian, but why we're a Christian comes down to what Jesus did for us. So important that we talk about that. And last week, we talked about the, the issue of God's word, the Scripture. Why do we believe? Well, people ask, "Why do you take the Bible so seriously? Why do you live by that?" Old Testament. Have you read the old? Have you seen some of the stories in there? Oh my goodness! How do we respond? And we talked about that last week, and if you missed that, I encourage you to check it out. And this week, I believe is maybe the hardest, most difficult one of the three we're going to talk about because it is so intensely personal and so emotional. In terms of how people feel about this particular issue and what issue am I talking about it's this issue right here the problem of pain the problem of pain because everybody's been through some pain some more than others and we have processed it in different ways but before I dive headlong into this issue I want to take a moment and say who this message is not for okay because It's important to to speak to you for just a second. For those of you here, this message is not for those of you here that are saying, I'm going through something right now that is so difficult, so painful. I am barely, I mean, by my fingertips, barely holding on to my faith, Will. Or or maybe it's a friend of yours that it's so painful right now, so difficult. You're questioning whether God's good, whether he loves you, and he even exists. It's It's like that hard. And if that's you, this is not necessarily the message for you. But here's what I want to say to you. There are good reasons. There are good answers. There is good information that I want to encourage you to pursue if that is you or you know somebody that's in that place. There's a book that I came across recently that I want to share with you. It's called A Grace Disguise by Jerry Sitzer. Um, and I recently heard Jerry share his story about what he went through, some of the most horrendous I mean, awful things that a human being could go through. And he talks about, I mean, just gut level, brutally honest about the struggles he had and how God met him in the middle of that place. And if you're somebody or you know somebody that is trying to hold on to their faith through a really difficult time, I encourage you to get the copy of this book. You can get it on Amazon. It's all over the place. You can get it wherever. But I just encourage you to get a copy. I think it could really, really help Because of our time and the focus of today, I don't have time to go headlong into that issue, but I encourage you to pick that up. So let me talk to you about who this message is for today. This message today is for those who say, I don't believe in God because of what I have experienced, what I've witnessed. I've seen too much, Will. I've traveled, I've experienced, I've been around, I was in the military, I've been around the world, I've just seen too much. And usually the question is posed something like this, how could a loving, all-powerful God allow so much pain, so much suffering? You tell me that. And usually people, when they say something like that, they're like, let's change the subject, let's move on to something else, I don't really want to talk about it, right? But the question is, how do you and I, how do Christians, are we supposed to respond to a topic like that, a question like that, when it gets thrown out? How do you respond? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because that is a great question. And the last thing I want to encourage you to do is argue with a person like that. It's not about arguing. It's, it's about trying to help remove the roadblocks to their faith, trying to help them to understand what they need to do next? And what's that next step look like? And what kind of hurdle do they need to get over? And and the the thing that people in this camp or this ideology need to understand is that this is not a new issue. It's not like you're the first one to ask the question. This has actually been an issue that has plagued Christianity since the New Testament all the way down. There's probably been um, some writer, some theologian, some um, follower of Jesus Christ that has grappled over their faith and the suffering and pain that they have gone through in their life and written about it probably every generation since Jesus to now. I mean, it goes that far back. It's that deep ingrained into our faith as Christians. Now, here's what we've learned. If you go back and read a lot of those classic writers and what they, where they came to, this is the conclusion they would come to. They would say, Pain and suffering, yes, it's a reality in this world, but it is not a reason to stiff-arm God. It's not a reason to stiff-arm God. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you a response that I think is probably one of the most interesting, fascinating ways to respond to this question that I hope will create a conversation or an opportunity for a conversation between you and a person who's asking a question like this, okay? So here's the response that I want to encourage you to ask them. Here it is. If you could, would you remove everything bad from the world right now? Like everything from the world right now. In other words, if you could hit a big button, you hit the button, and everything bad goes away. Like, poof, it's gone immediately. Now, before you rush the stage to hit the button, okay, just before you press the button, let me ask you a question. Have you personally ever done anything bad? Have your children, I know we hate to think about our kids like this, right? Have your children, do you think it's possible that they have ever done anything bad? I can't even say it with a straight face, right? Do you think that maybe your parents, before you were born, ever did anything bad? What if somebody hit the button way back before you were born? Do you think you would even exist today? Interesting question, right? Now, here's what we, what we begin to discover, is that that complaint, that there's so much bad in the world, there's so much evil, there's so much pain, this complaint about God becomes an issue that that God can't fully resolve for us in the world that we live in. And and to put it another way, the only way for God to remove the chief complaint that people have about him is to remove all the complainers. (laughs) Do you see that? Then there'd be nobody to ask the question. That'd be really easy for God, Right? They take away his issue. He doesn't need to. But here's the thing I want you to think about. Before you would rush to touch the button, I bet for most of us there'd be some hesitation. Like, wow, you're right. And if you have a reason why you wouldn't hit the button to eliminate everything and everyone that is bad and all of the world at this particular moment in time, is it possible, folks, I hope you track with me right now, is it possible that God also has a really good reason for not Hitting the button. Is it possible? Because I know if I hit that button, man, that'd be the end of Will Lewis and my kids and everybody I've ever known. I like, could be gone for, for forever. And and I mean, would you really hit the button? I mean, it would get rid of you, right? Wouldn't it? And, and if if you hesitate in that moment, isn't it possible that maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's a reason for why God doesn't just immediately eliminate all pain and suffering and evil in the world at this particular moment in time. In other words, the reason that you wouldn't push the button is the same reason that God doesn't push the button. And guess what? The reason is you. It's you. It's every one of you. He loves you. And the Bible tells us over and over that God is patient with evil. It makes him sick. It breaks his heart. He hates it, but he is patient because he loves people. He loves people. So going back to our same writer, Peter, now we're going to look in his second letter, chapter 3, verse 9 this time. This is what Peter had to say about this. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He's writing to a group of people saying, Peter, what gives, man? We're getting persecuted out here. Horrible things are happening. All kinds of atrocities and injustices. You won't believe it. How is God okay with this? Like, what's, when's he gonna intervene? When's this stuff gonna get changed and fixed? Is he gonna make it all right? Why is he so slow, Peter? And Peter's saying, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Hang with me here. I want you to read the highlighted words with me. He says, instead, he is patient don't think about it like slowness think about it like patience like a loving father with a child that doesn't get it quite yet they can't quite stand up on his or her own yet he's he's helping us he's gracious he's kind he's patient he's patient with you he turns it back on them he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish to die and this is eternal death Because they they they're dying without the Lord. But everyone to come to let's say it together, come to repentance. This is a word that means an about face, a 180 degree change. It's going from I'm living for will and whatever will wants, whatever's going to make will happy, which typically is going to move us into a sinful direction, and changing to say I'm living for you, Jesus, whatever you want. I'm letting you call the shots. You're my Lord. And great joy and satisfaction comes from putting him in the place that he deserves, Lord of our life. The same place he already has in the universe, let him have it in your life. And he's saying, this is what he desires, this is what he wants, but he's patient. And the reason that you and I hesitate to hit that kind of a button is the same reason that God hesitates because that that reason is you and he loves you and he wants to give you time and he wants to give your children time and your friends time and more people time to repent and turn back to him. This is part of the reason why we've adopted the mission statement we have here at Brazos Fellowship that we exist to help guide people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe that he has given us extra time for that end, for that objective, that purpose, and that is what he desires. It's beautiful every time we get to see that happen in someone's life. That this is what he's called us to, this is what he desires. But be that as it may, as we look around our world these days, we see all kinds of injustices. The fact is, we see stuff that just doesn't sit well with us, and it bothers us. And if we could be really honest, you know what we would all really love to have? We'd love to have a big old can of justice, okay? See what I'm talking about? Big old can. You see some injustice, something that's not quite right, you know, bam, got rid of that. No more of that. Somebody mistreating children, boo, got them, you know? Out of here. People working for the IRS that aren't paying their own taxes, ain't nobody got time for that, boo, got them. Get rid of them. Man, this justice smells good. Yeah, really nice. Awesome. But what about people hanging around schoolyards trying to sell drugs to kids? Spray them, people, you know? People involved in sex trafficking, we're gonna double spray, triple, quadruple spray. Yeah, we would love to just get rid of it. Wouldn't it be great to have a can like this? So you could just get rid of any injustice or anything you would define by your own definition as unjust in the world. You could just spray it. You could just get rid of it wouldn't that be nice to be able to do that but here's the key here's the trick that i have learned as i thought through this illustration the key is i want to be the one to hold the can i mean that's just way more fun right i don't want you holding the can you know why i don't want you holding the can because you might decide to spray me at some point because if i'm really honest i've had moments in my life where i've been unjust i've done bad but here's the person we really don't want getting a hold of this can. We don't want God holding on to this can. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me right now? That's real scary. I don't I really don't know what. What 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 would happen? God got to hold of this can, right? But let's just have an honest moment here for just a second. I mean, you're in church already and it's raining outside, where are you gonna go, right? You know? <laughs> but let's just ask her a question. How many of you would say, at some point in your life, you've done something that's unjust or would have been deemed unjust by someone else who has uh, seen your life? How many of you would say, okay, yeah, I've done something unjust? Okay, a few of you. Okay, that was just a warm-up, all right? How many of you would say, at some point in my life, I've done something bad. I've done something bad in my life. Come on, let's just, all right, sweet. There's some people with two hands up. I appreciate the honesty. Wow, (laughs) wow. That's good. Oh, wait, while you have your hands up, let me just. (laughs) We need a whole case of this stuff just for this auditorium. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that funny how there is this sense of, by us wanting to hold the can and you want to hold it too, I want to hold it, I want to call what's unjust and I want to be the one to eradicate it. But there is this sense of hypocrisy and unjustness by us wanting to hold this can, isn't it? Because I can't, you can't even pass your own test of what is good and bad, let alone God's. Are you kidding me? And we get to hold the can? Really? What qualifies us to hold the can? Really? And by us wanting to hold the can, I hope you follow me on this. Really, in effect, what we're saying is we want to be God, we want His job. And if anything doesn't square with what we see and what we think and how we ascertain information on the universe we live in, we call God unjust. We don't know the whole picture. We don't know the whole story. And it's so important to begin to understand that yes, there is injustice around us. Absolutely. And should we be involved in trying to change that? Absolutely. But saying who goes, who doesn't? I mean, say something to that because every one of us has a sense of what ought to be and what ought not to be. We, we look around us and we have this innate sense. As a matter of fact, philosopher, theologian, writer, C.S. Lewis talks about this in Mere Christianity. He says that this was actually, this issue of ought and ought not was one of the big issues that God used in his life to help him move from atheism, like there is no God, I believe there is no God, to becoming a theist, that there is a God, to becoming a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He says, this is the way he, he kind of tells the story, explains it this way. He says, look, so for me, I struggled with this. I, I, I wondered why and he was a World War II vet, lived in London, grew up in England his whole life, but he fought against the Nazis, and it just made him sick. What he saw, what he experienced, the injustice that was all around him, unbelievable. And he said, I struggled with like, how could a loving, all-powerful God allow such things? There couldn't be a God. But he said, but the thing that kept nagging me is, why does this bother me so much? He said it just bothered him and bothered him. And he says, because if I'm making this up on the inside of me, like it's emanating from inside of me, I have no right to hold anybody accountable to it. It's my problem. It is my issue. But what I'm finding is that a whole lot of other people feel the same way, that it's not okay to just indiscriminately kill and to hurt and to steal and to take. And he says, I can't. I, I can't see how that's just coming from me. I didn't make that up. So if it came outside of me, where in the world did it come from, he says. He says, and I, just, I, wor- I just struggled with this for years and, and finally came to the place. God used this to open his eyes that there is a creator God, that there is a moral judge to the universe. And I want you to see how profound, how beautiful this story is because God in this story uses What is totally unjust, what is totally sinful, what is totally like pain and suffering and horrible atrocities of this world to lead this man, brilliant man, to faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive to you and I? Isn't that interesting? He says, the deeper I would dig, the more I kept finding God. That there's there's a reason why that messes me up inside. There's a reason why I didn't feel okay about that. It's because I've been made in God's image. And God's not okay with this. And if I'm made by him to be like him, how could I ever be okay with this? How could I ever be okay with this? Never. And the beautiful thing is that we're told over and over in Scripture is that there is coming a day, part of that yearning in us to want things to be just and made right and that wrongs be made right and all things made new is because God has that very plan in place for us in the future, that he is moving us towards heaven. He is moving us towards a perfect and beautiful place where he wants to live with us all the time, where he is uh, reigning as Lord and King over this kingdom like he had always planned it. Paul writes about it over in Romans chapter 8, and he said this about it. He says, "He says yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later, heaven. Yeah, we're suffering now. It's hard. It's difficult. You're living in a decaying, corrupt, sinful, fallen world. This is why Jesus said, pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The assumption is it's not done on earth, Most of the time, it's not done. The only time that God's will is done on earth is Jesus preached about it in his own Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He says, the kingdom of heaven comes to earth when God's people obey God. And then you begin to see God more. You see Jesus in people when they act like Jesus and they speak like Jesus. They treat people like Jesus would treat them. This is what changes everything. This this rolls back that decay. And it rolls back that death. And people begin to see life for the first time. And sometimes when that light is shown in the darkness, people don't know how to take it. They don't know how to interpret it. It feels weird to them. But he's saying, this is why you're still here. This is why it's God's patience and opportunity to continue to show light while you still have time. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children, all of God's people, all of his family, In glorious freedom from death and decay, there's coming a day, a great celebration, where it's not just us, the followers of Jesus, but he says all of creation, everything I've ever created, is going to burst into celebration when everything is finally made right. You think you're the only one that, that yearns for that, that hurts over injustice? No, even my own creation does. Let me just say this, that is coming a day where God's going to make all things new. He's going to make all things just, and that's part of our hope in Jesus Christ. And I realize the moment I tell you this, for some of you who are going through really hard and difficult times right now, this is not an emotionally satisfying answer. I'm going to tell you that. I, I, I realize that. I understand that. But I also want to tell you at the same breath that no one can ever give you an emotionally satisfying answer to why innocent children are killed and why you have sat with somebody you love and watched them die of cancer. I did that with my own daddy a number of years ago. So hard. One of the hardest things I've ever done. God met us in the middle of that. There's never going to be a time where it's okay where you look out and see people being abused or people addicted to things that are destroying and killing their lives. It's never going to be okay. And you know why that is? Because there's still a part of you that is just like your Heavenly Father that, 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 that is not going to ever be okay about that. It breaks your heart because it breaks His He's not ever going to be okay. It kills him to see us living the way we do and to treat each other the way we do because it's not the way he designed us. And it hurts. It makes us mad at God and it's displaced anger. It's going the wrong direction. Instead, we should pull close to him and ask him to help make sense of it and pull us through it and help us to be able to have the strength just to get up every day and not sink further into depression and give up on life and turn our back on our faith. God wants so bad for you to see him in the middle of this, but that yearning, folks, it is evidence, it is proof that there is a God who created you and he created you for a relationship with himself. And some of the greatest thinkers who ever lived have come to that conclusion. There is no other good answer. And I, I just encourage you today to be open to say, God, help me in the middle of my struggle and my pain, or the, my friend, my family member, my difficulty. God, would you please meet me here? David told us that when he was in the valley of the shadow of death, God met him right there. He, he came and he empathized. He could feel. He hurt with him. But in God's great plan, he doesn't many times choose to remove the pain and suffering. He chooses to give us the strength to get up and bear up under it and make it through, to keep going and not to give up. And guess what happens? A beautiful, amazing testimony of the power of God. How did you How did a woman like you make it through something like that? How did a guy like you make it through something like that? And it gives you an opportunity to say, I couldn't have done it by myself. Only because of God pulled me through. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do today as we close out our service is just praying and just saying, Lord, help me maybe for the first time to really be able to understand the pain and suffering of my life is an opportunity to see you maybe more vividly and, and more real than I ever have before. But to understand also that Jesus came in the middle of the sin and evil and pain of this world to die for every one of us, to set us free so that we could have new life in him if we place our faith in him. And so here's what I'd like to do right now. If, if you would, let's just bow together and I want us to pray together. And in this prayer, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to surrender whatever, whatever it is you're going through right now to let God meet you in the middle of it. And for those of you who need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't squander this opportunity. Don't let this day go by without you placing your faith in him. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you so much for hearing our prayer. Thank you for being the God that enters into the pain with us. That in your sovereignty, in your wisdom, God, you see fit not to remove many times the pain and suffering because you know that it will deepen us and draw us closer to you than ever before, way more than the good, prosperous, easygoing times that we so desperately think we need. Sometimes, God, what we need is just to trust you through the pain. And I pray, God, right now all across this room for every person here that would say, I need to trust God in the middle of this situation. Or I got somebody in my life that I know needs my prayers because they need God in the middle of their pain and suffering right now. Let's pray for them. I want to pray for you right now. If this is you, would you just lift your hand right now? I'm asking God to meet me in the middle of this. And I'm trusting him. I'm trusting Him. God, right now, I just pray for every hand, every heart that's going up to you right now in prayer, that you would meet them in the middle of that pain, that you would be with them through this time. Help them be reminded that you did not, leave, you not You will not leave them or forsake them in the middle of this, that you will always be with them. You love them. And the reason that this hurts so bad, the reason that they're not okay with this situation, is because they've been made in your image, in the image of Almighty God. And And that you will never be okay with it, but you will see them through it. This is not the end of the story. God, I pray that we would trust you and keep walking with you and not give up. Persevere. Endure. You may lower your hands. And God, I pray for those that are in this room right now that would honestly have to say, I'm not a Christian today. I'm not walking with God. I don't have a relationship with God, but man, do I want one. Maybe more than ever before, you see the need for God and that he has been trying to draw you to himself through pain, through difficulty, through all kinds of circumstances, but you've been kind of blind to it. You've been making excuses for it, but it's time now to trust him, to turn to him. Would you pray right where you sit and just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive all of my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on that Roman cross, and then you resurrected from the dead to pay for the penalty for all sins, for all people. That included me too. And I'm asking you to forgive my sins today and be the Lord of my life from this day forward. If you just prayed and asked Jesus to be your forgiver and your leader, your Lord, would you just boldly raise your hand right now and just say, that? Will, that's me. I'm asking Christ to take over my life. Anybody here? I'm giving it all over. God bless you, sir, right here. Anybody else? Back over here by the booth. Back over here on the right. God bless you back over here. Thank you. Anybody? Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you, God, for moving on our hearts today. I pray, God, this would be a turning point for many of us in this room to trust you like never before, to be able to engage in a conversation when this issue comes up and to be able to talk to people, not argue, not get angry and lose our cool, but to, God, with just gentleness and respect, be able to communicate with people your truth, to give a logical defense of our faith. We pray all of this in the amazing and powerful name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. God bless you. For those who made decisions for Christ, please go by our Welcome Center, and we will see you back next Sunday as we start the comparison game. God bless you. Once again, thanks for listening.